should be talking. Okay, all right, we should be good. Thank you.
right, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Temple Baptist Church. Take your songbooks, please. Stand with me, if you will, page 125, The Solid Rock. Page 125, The Solid Rock. Page number 125. My hope is built. here just all right thank you i uh, got busy talking and fellowshipping having a good time with the young people here so i didn't get my microphone on so uh, we apologize for that but welcome to the service and uh, i wanted to say how glad i am and i hope that you're glad that we have a solid rock to stand on and that's the lord jesus christ this world around us it's shifting sand it's just changing every single day but praise the lord for those of us that are saved we have a rock that is solid, and we've got something that's more secure than anything that we can possibly create in our life, and certainly more than we can imagine, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sing about him as we continue on the second verse. When darkness fails Page 130. Page 130. Yesterday, today, forever. This is a new song for us. We're going to go through the first verse here, just kind of uh, let, letting Miss Anna play. I'll sing along a little bit. Sing if it, if you know it. Let's find that tune, and then we'll come back and we'll sing the whole song together. Okay? Here we go. Oh, how sweet the glorious message, simple faith may claim. Yesterday, today, forever. Jesus is the same Still he loves to save the sinful Heal the sick and lame Cheer the mourners Still the tempest Glory to his name Yesterday, today, forever Jesus is the same All may change But Jesus never Glory to his name 
good. Let's go ahead and we'll start out. We'll sing out here. Back on the first verse, we'll sing the song all the way through. Oh, how sweet the glorious message temple faith may claim. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. Still he loves to save the sinful, heal the sick and lame. Cheer the mourners, still the tempest, glory to his name. says it's going to be a little bit warmer than yesterday. I thought yesterday was really quite chilly. 
had that wind blowing and just seemed like it was one of those, uh, those cold days that kind of goes right through your clothes and goes all the way down to your bones, but uh, uh, still it's all good. I'm glad that we didn't have nine inches of snow like some of the places in the mountains just a few hours from here, and so that's a little bit crazy for um, the month of April, but uh, I'm sure that it's happened before. And hopefully things will start warming up uh, here in the near future. And uh, certainly looks like today is going to be a beautiful day. By way of announcements, uh, this afternoon at 5, the chapel will be open for prayer. Come as you please. And then at 5.30 is the kids' choir in the youth center. At 6 o'clock is our evening service. And then on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have our evening service here in the auditorium. And then also Master Club program for the young people as well as our youth group for the teenagers. Uh, Thursday, uh, first time that we've had this particular event, it's a ladies' spring event in the chapel. Once again at 6.30, going to be having some devotion, some prayer, going to have some crafts and so forth. Ladies, you're going to have a great time. If you have any questions about that, see Sister Lynn Mitchell. And then Saturday, 8 a.m., men's prayer meeting, and uh, noon is the street ministry. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Invite a guest. We're going to make sure that we talk about the resurrection and get uh, to the best of our ability a clear presentation of the gospel. So make it an evangelistic outreach opportunity. Sometimes you can get people to an Easter service that wouldn't come to church otherwise. And so let's make sure that we're all very busy this week trying to fill this place up for the glory of God. And then Missions Conference is a week from this Wednesday, April 20th through the 24th. Uh, Please make uh, plans on being here for all of those services. That's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday evening. We're going to have a fellowship as well as a speaker on Saturday evening, so we're looking forward to that. That'll be our first fellowship down in the fellowship hall for quite some time. And so we always have a great time of fellowship when we're able to do that here at Temple Baptist. So come and be part of that. We'll have more information for that in the near future, and uh, the the church will be providing the main dish, but we're going to be asking you to bring some of the side dishes and desserts and so forth. And then also, um, you know, there is no also. I'm done with announcements. Let's go ahead and stand and sing our last hymn, 153, How Firm a Foundation.
may be seated. Calvary. Wonderful, wonderful song. Um, well done, well done. All right, uh, good to be in church here this morning. We're in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 1. I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians, chapter number 1. 2 Thessalonians, chapter number 1. Trying to think of something to say before we start this message, and I got nothing. Just not there. So let's preach, amen? Second Thessalonians chapter number 1, and beginning in verse number 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And our message comes from verse number 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith, watch this, your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Your faith groweth exceedingly. I want to speak to you this morning on the topic of growing faith. You know, there's such an interesting connection that the Lord and the Scripture makes between faith and growing uh, plants such as trees. If you'll recall, 
The Lord taught his disciples if they had faith like a grain of mustard seed, then they could basically accomplish anything. And he talked about how the mustard seed is just the tiniest of seeds, and yet when it's grown, he said that it can lodge the fowls of the air. And so obviously, faith is a very powerful uh, powerful factor, not only for salvation, but once we are saved, obviously, as the Scripture teaches us, we live by faith, we walk by faith, and so faith is certainly an extremely important, important topic, and the Scripture talks about faith that grows exceedingly, and that's what I want to talk to you about here this morning. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless this time together. Lord, it's good to be in church. Uh, It's always a joy to be around your people. Lord, the fellowship is sweet here this morning, and uh, we appreciate that. And we thank you for your presence. We know that uh, your presence is here because you promised it in your word. But Lord, we pray that your presence would be manifest in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, as we present this uh, biblical truth here today, Uh, The various points and aspects of growing faith, uh, Lord, we realize that uh, we can't uh, cause anyone uh, to change, to repent, to to, to get what they need. Lord, only the Holy Spirit can do that. So please, Lord, uh, touch our hearts here today. Help me to communicate as I ought to. Uh, Lord, not as anyone else and certainly not in comparison with anyone else, but just help me to be uh, the presenter of truth, the preacher that you would have me to be here today for your glory and honor, number one, and then secondly, for the good of all of the hearers. Help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Spring is a time of growing. I enjoy the spring. Driving down the interstate uh, this time of year, you see, and I wish I knew what these trees were that have the just the, the tiny little purple blossoms that come out this time of the year. Usually they're very small trees, very skinny trees, not a big bush of um, uh, like some trees of blossoms, but just uh, a tree that's just kind of uh, kind of skinny, but all these little purple blossoms. Wouldn't you love to just see a forest full of those trees? And once again, I don't know what kind of trees that they are. Maybe it's just something that grows wild and the ones that I've seen, it just doesn't ever look like they get that big at all. It's not like they're a huge tree, but uh, I tell you what, some of the prettiest blossoms, in my opinion, uh, any time of the year and anywhere in the country. It's a time of growing. Buds turn to blossoms, blossoms turn to leaves, and then everything starts looking colorful and alive once again. Uh, the picture I'd like to show you on the screen is a, a picture of a tree of, of, right now I guess you'd call it a shrub, that is right out in the front yard of our house. I took this picture actually here this morning. I don't know how clear that you can see this picture, but there are just tiny little buds beginning to start to open up, and I would imagine within the next week or so, we'll start seeing some uh, blossoms come out of this tree. We call this tree the Graham tree. Now, a little story behind that. Uh, my mom always went by Graham. Uh, that was what all the grandkids called her. And she even had the reputation within the church of being called Graham. That was just what people affectionately called her. And when she passed away, one of the brothers in the church, rather than getting us flowers, he got us this tree 
to plant, and it was just a small little tree, and so we found a place in the front yard where we thought it would look pretty, and we planted that. And of course, that's been quite a few years ago, and you may look at this picture and say it's still quite small, and and that is true, but I'll tell you about the Graham tree. Uh, It's very much like my mother, extremely resilient. Uh, We have thought that this tree was dead. Almost every year, we think that this tree is dead. Uh, For some reason, the aphids love it. In fact, uh, before we figured out what was wrong with it, after the first year, it literally died to the point where the branches, it was just, it it was dead. And there was no life, and so I, I basically just broke it. They just broke off real easy right there at ground level. And I thought, well, you know, it's like my mom, it's gone. Enjoyed it while it was here, but now it's gone. And then the next thing you know, we start seeing life coming out. And so a brand new tree starts coming out of those roots. And uh, we kind of nursed it to health, and then the aphids attacked it. And last year, really, we thought that it was gone. My wife went out there here, oh, just a few days ago, maybe a week ago, and uh, the tree looked completely black, more so than you see in the picture, and that was all the result of last year's aphid infestation. She went out there with some soap and water and literally scrubbed every part of the branches of that tree and cleaned all of that black stuff from the aphids off of there. And uh, as you can see, if you look closely, it's beginning to show uh, life. And uh, hopefully, maybe we uh, have figured out what we can do to um, help it be healthy. But the bottom line is spring is a time of growing. And faith is very much like a tree. It is resilient. Why? Just like the Graham tree, it's resilient because of the unseen roots. Now, we have some other trees in our backyard. You've heard me talk about the dreaded Bradford pear trees. Uh, Bradford pear trees, they grow very fast, and really, especially this time of year, they're one of my favorite trees to look at. But just like human nature, their strength is also their corresponding weakness. Their strength is is that they just start branching out and filling out and growing really, really fast. But that's also their weakness, because what happens is... They grow so many branches that they outgrow their trunk. And of course, if you've ever had one, you know that within probably uh, the first five or ten years, if you don't keep it very well pruned and thinned out and so forth, uh, you're going to have one split completely in two. We had that happen one after another after another until uh, over time with the help of uh, some men here in the church, Brother Yance, Brother Glenn, and so forth. We hauled so many trailers of branches uh, away from there. Why? Because I just, uh, you know, I got a price from a tree company. And I mean, it's like I've got to get a second mortgage just to get rid of these trees. And so we just, rather than get it all done quickly, we just kind of let attrition. And bottom line is I've got five stumps in my backyard where Bradford pears used to be. In fact, it's interesting, some of those uh, pieces of uh, tree I actually milled into wood. And of course, you're not going to find any furniture that's made out of Bradford pear, but it's actually excellent, excellent lumber. Uh, Some of my favorite lumber to work with. And I would imagine that it's not a very uh, hot commodity because if you look at the trunk of a Bradford pear, it's just not very tall. So you would have to 
really grow a lot of Bradford pear trees in order to get enough lumber to actually market and sell. But back to the topic at hand, all of these stumps are in the back of our yard, and one thing that I found difficult is to, to, to get those stumps to where they're actually dead. Uh, shoots of Bradford pears want to keep coming from the stump, as you see in the picture on the screen. They just want to keep coming back. And I don't want them to come back. I want them to rot and die because, once again, I'm too cheap to hire somebody to come in and grind those stumps out because it's just too expensive. So we just wait patiently until nature takes its course. And several of them are rotted pretty good now, and I can actually run the mower right over the top of them. While others, they just keep wanting to have some shoots come out, not only from the stump, but actually out several feet or yards out from where the stump was, the roots are actually trying to grow new trees. And so faith is very much like a tree. It is resilient. Why? Because there are some unseen roots. The believer's faith has roots as well. And we know what our roots are in. They're in Jesus Christ. Amen? The book of Colossians 2.7 says, rooted and built up in him. Uh, Listen to that once again, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. That is just a very short verse that is descriptive of a healthy Christian life. If you want to have a healthy Christian life, we've got to be rooted in him. I know many believers that are rooted in things that are not directly Jesus Christ. You can be rooted in your church. And that's not where God wants us to be rooted. You can be rooted in your heritage, in your family. You can be rooted in the fact that, hey, I'm an American, and I'm proud to be an American for the most part. Not as much as I used to be, but I'm still proud to be an American. But my roots are in Jesus Christ. And so we all need to remember that. Most trees in nature grow without human help. But there are certain elements in nature that can cause damage, stunt growth, and even destroy a tree. Things such as drought, storms, insects, blight, and so forth. And the same holds true with our faith. Across the street at the Kimberlands, my wonderful neighbors, they've got two trees right in their front yard. And I think it was last year that uh, Brother Randy brought a tree company in because he's rich and he can afford tree companies. I'm joking. And, and he had one of the trees was actually getting ready to split in two. And, and I watched them. They actually came out and they took and they bandaged that tree. They thinned it out to get rid of the excess weight. They got it very thinned out. And they took and they wrapped and they... Uh, tried to mend that tree together so that it would actually begin to heal and perhaps he wouldn't lose those trees. You know, you lose one of them, then really you've got to take both of them out because it's two trees that are kind of matching. And so the one tree that was damaged from a storm or wind, um, it's in the process, hopefully, of being repaired and healing and The same applies to our faith. Your faith may be suffering here today, but like a tree, there are things that we can do for healing. 
doesn't mean we won't have some scars, and it doesn't mean that our faith will, uh, will be what it could have been. But you know what, folks? Sometimes we think that, hey, if my faith or if my Christian life, if my life in general is never going to be what it ought to be, then I might as well quit. Listen, that's the most foolish mentality that we could ever have. And that mentality comes from the devil himself. Listen, don't ever quit on God just because you've got scars, just because you've got some things and you're not perfect. Hey, welcome to everybody else's life. You know, you're painfully aware of your imperfections. A lot of times you just don't, sometimes we don't see the trees for the forest. And I meant to say it that way. Sometimes we look at other people's lives and we just see it as a forest. But when you look closer, you find out, you know what? They got the same problems. They got the same scars that I have. Perhaps a storm. Excuse me. We all have seasons when our faith seems strong and healthy. But then we go through a spell where our faith needs some help. Perhaps maybe a storm caused an injury. You know, when a tree gets injured, it makes it more susceptible to other problems. You get a branch that breaks off, you've got a a gaping wound in that tree, and in many cases, that just invites all the insects in. It loses its protection in that one particular place. Perhaps maybe uh, little sins are allowed into our life that become like little tree-boring beetles. That when you look at the outside of the bark, you just see a little tiny hole, like maybe a woodpecker just pecked a little hole. But actually that beetle bore into that tree, laid an egg, the egg turned into a larva. And when when you look at it later, in fact, this piece of Bradford pear right here, I don't know if you can see it up close here, but you can see all inside of this slice of wood, you can see little little tunnels where insects, the larva had just eaten through. And I had one um, a, a charcuterie board, like a little serving tray that I made out of Bradford pear, and it had all kinds of worm tracks in it. And you say, why would you want to serve food on worm tracks? Well, I, I took my Dremel tool with a little wire brush, and you know they leave kind of where they chew up the wood, they leave kind of a little kind of weird stuff in there. And I took that wire brush Dremel, and I got all of that out, and I mixed up some blue epoxy, and I poured that in all those little wormholes. And it actually, you know, something that was very damaged, something that would, you'd say, well, I can't use that for anything. I might as well throw it in the fire. But with some extra care, I was able to actually take that and make it into something very interesting and very beautiful. And, you know, you may be like that. You may have allowed some little sins in your life in the past. They don't have to be fatal, You can treat that and you can stop that. And hey, there may be some scars, but God, our Creator, our Savior, thank God, He redeems us. Amen? And He can reclaim our past sins and our past failures and He can turn those into something beautiful. Some of the wisest Christians I know are people whose life is filled with scars and they can help you because they've been there. And they understand, you know, there's some things that sometimes as a pastor, someone needs help. And I'm just, I feel so handcuffed because I don't understand. I want to understand. I try to understand. But until you've been through it yourself, 
you really can't understand how to help that person. And so please don't get discouraged by the past failures and sins. Don't feel that you have to be a perfect tree, so to speak, in order to help other people with their problems. These uh, wood-boring uh, beetles, they, they, those channels and those little tunnels that they make in the tree, they, they end up blocking the cellulose channels that carry nutrients from the roots to the branches in our lives. And if it gets too bad, they will literally, a tree will, uh, will die because it's not getting any moisture or nutrients because the roots are healthy, but Every pathway going up to feed the rest of the tree has been damaged by tiny little wood-boring insects that just little by little block it all off. Listen, brothers and sisters, you may say, hey, you know what, I, I know that I've got sin in my life, but so far, look at, look at me, man, it's springtime, I'm blossoming, I'm budding. But you know, there's some invisible damage on the inside that's making a weakness, and when a storm comes. That weakness is going to be manifest. It's not going to stand. Why? Because there's something on the inside that is weakened and it's rotten. And listen, the storm is going to come, by the way. It always comes. So important that we get rid of those little sins before they cause too much damage on the inside. Listen, I've seen trees growing in environments that were ultimately doomed for failure. And yet some of them hang in there. And I mean that hang in there because their faith is deep-rooted in the rock. You may look at your life and you say, man, there's no way that I can live a successful Christian life. My upbringing, my past, the, the home and family that I grew up in. You may have all kinds of things in your life circumstantially. It's like your whole life is built on a cliff and just any moment you feel like that you're just going to be headed for, uh, for failure and you're doomed from the get-go. And I want to say to you, no matter where you're at in your life, just make sure that you are rooting your faith and your life in the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. The rock will hold you where you need to be. While growing faith is a very complex topic, the Scripture teaches us a number of essential principles for healthy, growing faith. And the first one I want to draw to your attention here this morning, number one, is the Word of God. The Word of God. The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible is like a seed of faith. And the seed has to find a place and certain conditions in order to germinate. It doesn't happen automatically. And it doesn't occur by osmosis. You know, you may think that, you know what, I, I have a Bible. I, in fact, I've got a Bible and it's got my name in it. It's got my birth date. It's got the date that I was saved. In fact, man, I've got the signatures of all kinds of great men of God and preachers in my Bible. And you may carry that to church. And you may sit it in your lap. And you may put it in a special place. Maybe on your nightstand and all of that. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that all of that by itself, you may reverence the Bible. You may argue over, hey, I've got the Word of God. And you may just 
really reverence it. But none of those things by themselves produce faith in our life. It doesn't grow our faith just by reverencing the Bible. Our text here says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is the source of the truth. These are the seeds. But listen, how many of you have ever scattered seeds on your lawn only to find them still sitting there three weeks later because there was no moisture? There was nothing in the soil to receive that seed and cause germination. Listen, I, I, I believe we ought to read our Bible We ought to read it through every year. We ought to read as much Bible as we can. But listen, do you know that you can read through your Bible every year and that in and of itself doesn't necessarily automatically produce faith? We've got to hear it. We've got to listen to it. Our hearts have to be receptive to it. And while certainly I am not promoting minimizing your Bible reading, Nevertheless, I I, I need to say that you're better off to absorb a chapter than to read an entire book of the Bible and it be water that just kind of runs off. You know, clay soil here in North Carolina. I mean, you got to have rain on a fairly regular basis because the water just doesn't soak in very deep. That clay is so compact and the it's so thick. And slimy. The water just kind of wants to sit on top and run off. You know, you got to have regular watering. Because sometimes that's the way our life is. It's not how much of the Bible that you go through. It's how much of the Bible that goes through you. We've got to open up our heart. We've got to listen to what it says. We've got to be willing to make the changes in our life and to live by its principles and say, God, this is your word. I am living my life according to the word of God. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? He said, your, your ears are dull of hearing. You know, you know you, you, you're holding to the scripture, but it's all just water running off of the hard pan soil of your heart. And what happens after a while, you just get dull of hearing. We read it, we read it, we're going through the motions, but we're not truly hearing. Hey, let me remind you what Psalm 1, 1 through 3 has to say. What a great chapter. One of my favorite chapters in the book of Psalms. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Not only is this man uh, hearing, he's, he's not listening to the counsel of the ungodly. He's not standing in the way of sinners. He's not sitting in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's not just saying that he painfully and laboriously, like a chore, makes sure that, yes, I read my Bible every day. I'm a good Christian. I do it because I've got character. It's tough. But I do it. That's not what makes us a threat. That's not what grows our faith. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Hey, that's a, 
That's a wonderful passage of Scripture that tells us how we should hear and listen to the Word of God. We've got to open up our heart and delight in the Word of God, not just painfully go through the motions of reading the Scripture. The Word of God is where our growing faith begins. And then secondly, an interesting concept that I guarantee you probably weren't expecting in this sermon here today, but if you study the Scripture, it's certainly there. And this is something that Jesus taught His disciples, and that is forgiveness is connected to growing faith. Luke 17, verse number 3 says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And don't do that on social media, okay? Don't do that for the whole world to see. Do that privately. If he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. (laughs) What did the apostles say? Lord, increase our faith. (laughs) I guarantee you they're listening to what the Lord's saying. Seven times in one day? I mean, my goodness, in a day, let's say a 12-hour day. That's That's like having to be offended and then forgive someone, that's like every one and a half hours or thereabouts. Probably less. One hour and 17 minutes. So you look at your clock. Oh, it's, it's about an hour. Here he comes again. <laughs> He's getting ready to trespass. He's getting ready to offend me. No doubt the disciples are like, Lord, increase our faith. This is a pretty tough thing that you're telling us. That we have to do. And by the way, the Lord wasn't suggesting this. He said, if a brother trespasses against you and you rebuke him and he repents, you got to forgive him. It's what Jesus taught us to do. Notice here how the Lord does not make any allowance for insincerity of the offended party to judge the motives of the offending party. Now, I don't know about you, but that's human nature. I, that would be my human nature. If some, I, I, would, I don't think I'd get past the second time. And, and what's the old cliche? You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right? That's what we say. The Lord says, nah, I'm not buying that. Seven times in a day, forgive him makes no allowance for whether the offending and penitent party is sincere or insincere, has nothing to do with their motives. He just simply says, if they repent, then forgive them. Listen, when God issues us our standard forgiveness kit, it doesn't contain a lie detector. It doesn't. We take people at face value and give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, let me say this, and this is just some pastoral words of wisdom. That doesn't mean that we have to trust them. If somebody's offending me seven times in a day and repenting, it's okay, I'll forgive them. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to ask them to babysit. All right? God never commands us that we have to trust one another. 
but he does command us to love one another. And he does say that we are supposed to forgive one another. You say, well, can you forgive someone and not trust them? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the devil comes along and says, well, if I, if you can't forget, then you haven't forgiven. That's not biblical. That's not biblical at all. I know that the scripture says that God has cast our sins as far as the east from the west into the sea of his forgetfulness and so forth. He said, your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more. But I don't think that that's saying that God doesn't actually know them. He's got a record up in heaven. God knows all things and he remembers all things. When he says, your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more, the key word there is will. He is willing to not remember that anymore. Listen, when you've forgiven someone and you're reminded of their trespass against you, their offense, you're reminded of how they hurt you, you just simply say to the devil, I distinctly remember forgetting that. You choose to forget it. It's like, you know what, I'm going to put that out of my mind. I'm going to get my mind occupied on something else because I have forgiven that person And it does me no good to think about it, certainly not to dwell on that. And folks, that's where faith comes in. That's why the Lord, that's why the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. It takes faith to obey the word of God. And when somebody has offended us repeatedly, and when it just seems like that no matter what, they they keep doing it and we keep forgiving them, that requires some faith. Someone offends us and offers an insincere apology or a dishonest confession. You know what? This is what I recommend is just take them at face value. Forgive them because they ask for forgiveness. And if they were insincere, if they were just simply lying because they were afraid of retaliation or they didn't want to look bad, then you know what you do? You just leave it in God's hands. You know what I believe? I believe this, and, and I've pastored this way for, for many years. When somebody does something or you hear that they did something, you, you got a big question mark there. You know, if, I, if I'm aware of a question mark about you, you know what my first priority is to do? Everything I possibly can to erase that question mark. I'm not going to believe what I heard. I'm going to get to the source and say, hey, I heard this. Is this true? Now, if that question mark becomes an exclamation point and, you, you know, you confront that person or, or you know that it's true and they say, no, that's not true. Guess what? They added sin to sin. They just lied to save face. But you did your job by confronting them. And I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that when a person does that, they are drawing a big spotlight to their self. Maybe something that God would have in his mercy just kind of, you know what? You remember what the psalmist said? It, Lord, if thou shouldest mark iniquities, if thou shouldest regard iniquities, who shall stand? But there is mercy with thee. David talked about the mercy of the Lord. He remembereth our frame. He knoweth our frame, remembers that we're but dust. I think that there's certain sins and 
things of humanity that God just overlooks. It's like, well, they're human. They can't help but be that way. But when we're confronted about an error or a sin and we deceive to get out of that, you know what we're doing? We're blowing a horn that is heard in heaven. We're getting God's attention. And I don't know about you, but I would rather, when it comes to my sins and failures, I would rather... Uh, not get God's attention on those things. Amen? Take some faith to say, you know what? I did all that I can do to try to make this right, to try to help this brother or this sister. At this point, they didn't come clean. It's in God's hands. I've done what I can do. I'm just going to have to trust the Lord by faith that He'll take care of it as only He knows how. I found the best way to forgive in difficult situations is to think about how many times that I've treated the Lord the same way that I'm being treated. You know, sometimes the person will make excuses. Sometimes they'll try to save face and paint the picture just a little bit different. And then I've thought, you know what, God, I've done the same thing with you. I've offend, I, man, I've, I've committed a sin against the Lord and I've repented and I've wept and then, you know, six months later did the same thing again. And I thought, how we must make the Lord feel. If you're having a hard time forgiving difficult situations, just start thinking and asking the Lord, Lord, is there any way that I've treated you the way that I'm being treated? It might put your faith in perspective. And then number three, the last point for this morning, is love. Notice in our opening text in 2 Thessalonians 1.3, I'll read it once again. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And watch this, he says, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Listen, there is a huge connection in the scripture between faith and love. Let me just give you a rapid fire handful and and I had to I had to glean out many of these. If you if you do a, a word search verses that contain both the word faith and the word love, you're going to find more than what I'm giving you here in the next few minutes. But just a rapid fire, I want you to see how faith and love are so connected from God's perspective. Ephesians 3 verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in what? In love. Notice that rooted thing there once again. Our faith is rooted in Christ, but part of that equation, there's a connection between faith and love. Colossians 1 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and the love which ye have to all the saints, 1 Timothy 1.14, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 1.13, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, and then if you doubt the connection here, Galatians 5, 6, as plain as the nose on our face, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. 
So obviously, love is an important factor in the growing of our faith. But before we can understand this connection, we all need to remember that biblical love is much different than the modern concept of love. You see, biblical love is unselfish. It's a decision that is followed by a commitment. For God so loved the world that He gave. It's unselfish. It's committed. It's a decision. It's followed. It's always got that commitment, but it is not merely an emotion or a feeling. Listen, remember when, and and please don't... uh, don't don't misunderstand. If you have uh, if you have suffered the pain of a divorce in the past, please bear with me. Bear with me. But can you remember when there was a time that the marriage vows actually meant something, where we promised to love one another, to keep that commitment? And what happens is, and I understand that there are problems and people sin and. People betray and, and, and so forth. I understand all that. So if you have went through the pain of a divorce, I am not browbeating you over that commitment. There are some of you that you had no choice. And sometimes there are people that have been through divorce that it wasn't them that divorced their spouse. It was their spouse that divorced them. So I understand. So please take the compassion that is intended and just saturate the next words that I have to say. But the bottom line is we do, we make a vow. And we say that for better, for worse, that I will keep me and I will love you till death do us part. Not till I don't feel it anymore. And that's the problem with modern love. Hollywood and romance novels have turned the concept of love into a selfish feeling rather than a decision and a commitment. Well, I fell in love and then I fell out of it. Someone says, well, we might as well end this relationship because I just don't love you anymore. To which I would say, why not? Stop that. You made a commitment. Love is an action. You promise to love so you start Doing your part. Well, they don't love me back. Listen, you let them worry about their commitment. You let God. You know what? God may work in your spouse's heart after he sees you saying, I'm going to keep my commitment. I don't care how they reject me. I don't care how they treat me. I'm going to love them with a commitment, with an unselfish love. I'm going to forget about the feeling. And I am going to love in action. I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to do everything I can to honor God and my commitment. And then you just may see the Holy Spirit start working in the other party. This modern concept of love, it's messed up. And it's caused more harm. There are some people that they protect themselves against ever loving again. And yet, faith and love are the most important parts of life itself. The way that God created us. Love and faith, is those are things that we're supposed to enjoy. Hey, listen, didn't the Lord say that we're supposed to dwell with one another according to knowledge? We're supposed to be heirs 
of the grace of life. Notice how this faith thing and growing faith, it's all connected. Forgiveness, the Word of God. Here we have love. You know, a lot of God's truths are not necessarily just a textbook formula, but they're just interwoven principles like a fabric that just go together. You take a couple of threads, you know, you take a thread and you can, you can just break it, but when a bunch of them are all interwoven together, you can take those weak little threads and you can make a fabric that is almost impossible to tear apart. Why? Because these principles of faith are interwoven together. In conclusion, I want to I point this out because I think that it's, it's certainly important. Do you realize how that wind plays a major factor in tree growth and strength? My wife reminded me of this just the other day. She was doing some uh, studying on um, trees and different plants, and uh, she's really gotten pretty, pretty interested in horticulture and our garden and some of the problems like the, the gram tree and the aphids. She's been doing some research. How do we deal with this without you know, just spraying chemicals. And listen, I'm not against chemicals. I'm not a, I'm not a tree hugger or anything like that. If, if you've got to use, if you got to nuke it, then nuke it, right? <laughs> but sometimes those things aren't as effective and there's natural, you know, if, if, if the soil has the right conditions, then it'll grow what you want it to well and it, it, it won't naturally grow the things you don't want it to grow. And there's some certain conditions of the soil and the plant that actually resist the bugs rather than attracts the bugs. And so she's been researching that. And in fact, I don't know if I've said this from the pulpit, but it's worth saying my wife has worms. Seriously. She has a tub. She bought these worms that are, you, she's growing them and she's feeding them. And I guess you take the castings, worm castings, that's a really nice way of saying worm doo-doo. And evidently, I mean, the stuff is, in theory, we're going to find out this year, in theory, uh, it's supposed to be the best thing that you can put in your garden and your plants and so forth. And uh, I hope it works because she got her shipment of worms two days into her COVID and five days into my COVID. And she had to get them out of the box and put them in a tub and do all these different things. And we're out in the garage and we're both sick as a dog. And I'm having to help her. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. I want to go back to my chair. And, 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 I, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, they cost you 30 bucks. Listen, I'll pay you 30 bucks just to order some new ones. All right? Just throw these out in the yard. Let's buy some new ones. But no, she toughed it out. And so she's been taking care of those worms better than her... Well, no. Our worms are very well taken care of. But it's just interesting how that... um, There's just things that you can do to create an atmosphere. And one of the things, as I mentioned, is that wind plays a major factor. 
Without the wind, a tree's root structure will never become fully developed. And that reminds me of what the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 1, verse number 6. He talks about a trial of our faith, a storm. Wind is like a storm in our life. He said, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith may be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love. Hey, that's faith. We love him, but we've not seen him. In whom, though ye see him, now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Brothers and sisters, our faith gets stronger through the wind, through the storms of life. That wind begins to blow that tree back and forth, and those roots end up as they're moving. It just gives them a little bit of wiggle room to go deeper and deeper, and it, 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 it provokes those deep roots to say, hang on. And I want to say to you here this morning, if your faith, if you're struggling, you're feeling like you just can't hang on any longer, just keep hanging on. Just keep hanging on. Listen, when's the last time you saw a tree growing in a greenhouse? I don't mean seedlings, I mean a tree. You don't see a greenhouse with a huge oak in it. They don't grow in greenhouses. They grow in the elements. And God saved us, and uh, listen, He saved us out of this world, but we're still in this world. And just because we're in this evil world doesn't mean that we can't have a strong Christian life and that our faith cannot grow. God made trees to withstand and endure the elements of nature. But sometimes they require a little outside help. I worked for a five-star resort in groundskeeping in Asheville. Some of you have heard of it, the Grove Park Inn. And I worked on that groundskeeping grounds crew. And we also had to help out with the horticulturist who took care of all of the plants and shrubs that were inside of the hotel. One summer day, or actually for two or three days, we had to go inside of the hotel and we had to gather up every ficus tree. And I don't know if you know what a ficus tree is, but it's just a, you know, it's just a medium-sized indoor tree that's got a lot of little leaves. And we had to mix this fungicide solution that smelled so bad it made you want to puke. And we would have to, each one of us had rubber gloves on and we had just a rag. We dipped the rag in that smelly, nasty stuff and we literally had to scrub every single leaf front and back of all of those ficus trees. There was about a half a dozen of us on the groundskeeping crew, and we had to do that for two or three days. Man, was I glad when we got that job over. That was just miserable. But you know, sometimes, sometimes we get a blight like those ficus trees had. Our spiritual immune system got weak. Or maybe the devil just came along, the circumstances were right, and uh, our faith became weak and sickly. And Sometimes we just got to take extreme measures. We need outside help. 
examine your life. Are there major sins that need pruning? Or perhaps too many branches that are making your life too heavy and susceptible to storms? Sometimes it's not sins. Sometimes it's weights. Uh, Hebrews said that we should set aside the, 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 weight, or the sins and the weights that do hinder us. Sometimes we just got too many unnecessary things in our life that they may look good, but they're actually hurting our spiritual life. Maybe there's little sins that are boring away and planting that larva and choking off the supply from the root. Listen, repentance, getting right with God is like a systemic treatment. You've got this stuff, you can buy it at the store and you mix it in water and you just take that bucket of mixture and you just pour it all around the tree and it goes down into the ground and the roots begin to absorb it and whatever those, uh, whatever those chemicals are, they go inside of the tree and they'll kill the bugs and they'll kill the blight and the fungus and all of the problems that cannot be treated from the outside. They can only be treated from the inside. Listen, when we get right with God... And we basically say, Lord, I don't want my sin any longer. I don't want the world. I want my heart and my life to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God, He's already inside, but He begins to emanate throughout our whole life. Our mind, our emotions, and our mental faculties, and the way that we look at life when we repent all of it begins to change. And then over time, not overnight, but over time we get spiritually healthy and things begin to blossom and grow and new growth begins. And I thank God, my life was like the Graham tree. When I was a teenager and in high school, my life, you would think that I was spiritually dead. If you looked at my life when I was 19 and 18 years old, You would look at me and say, there's no way that that young man is saved. But I was. When I got right with the Lord, that spiritual life began to bring forth. You can only treat it from the inside. And so I close with this question. Is your faith healthy and growing? Tomorrow's problems are rooted in today's neglect. I close with this picture. This is a picture that I took in my backyard, one of my dreaded Bradford pears. Windstorm came along and split that tree and it fell and just destroyed about three sections of my vinyl fence. Fortunately, I mean, it came within a hair. Usually my neighbors in back of me usually had a car parked right there I have no idea why that car wasn't parked there. If it would have, I'd probably be paying for some serious uh, paint and body work uh, because of that tree. Why did that tree fall? Because of neglect. Oh, it looked pretty. It looked beautiful. It looked fine and healthy from a distance. I knew that there were little dots all around it, all around it throughout the trunk where some type of a boring beetle had bored inside of it. I knew that there was a few little branches here that looked like they were getting a little bit rotten and unhealthy. And I knew that, man, that thing had grown faster than what I could prune it and I couldn't keep up with it. And it got to where it's like, hey, this is too big of a job. 
I mean, it's going to take me forever to prune these trees, so I just ignored them and let them go. Maybe I'll prune them next month. And before next month came, they split and they fell. And not only was the tree damaged, but the tree itself had to be removed. It wasn't repairable. It couldn't grow back. Brothers and sisters, is your faith growing? Is it healthy? Because tomorrow's problems are rooted in today's neglect. Let's start nurturing our Christian life and our faith. Let's make sure that we are forgiving those that need forgiveness. Let's make sure that we are opening up our hearts and receiving the Word of God and living by it. And let's love one another and uh, make that commitment. All of these things are the elements that grow our faith. Without it, you're not going to will yourself to grow. It's got to happen from the inside out. So the only thing that we can do is do the things that the Word of God says that we need to do. Is your faith growing? Is your faith healthy? It can be. But you have to look at your life and you have to do an evaluation and say, I've got to make some changes. I, start, I need to start giving my Christian life the attention that it deserves. Only then can you avoid tomorrow's problem through today's neglect. Father, thank you for the Word of God. I pray that you would bless your people and use this message, Lord, um, for your glory and honor and for our help. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, remain seated with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And God spoke to your heart here this morning as the pianist plays softly. If you'd like to come down to the altar and talk to the Lord, maybe some little sins that you need to get rid of, maybe some neglect of the Word of God. Maybe some pruning, some things in your life that maybe they're not sins, but you just need to clear out the way. Make sure that God is the priority in your life. Let's all stand to our feet. It's good to be in church here this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Glenn Coppinger to close us in a word of prayer. When he's finished praying, you are dismissed. Don't forget, 5 o'clock, the chapel will be open for prayer. Come as you please. And then kids choir at 5.30. Evening service is at 6. Brother Coppinger, please close us in prayer.